Welcome back to Legacy Matters, conversations on faith, family, and future. Today, we're going to continue our conversation about the Christian school difference. I'm joined, as always, by the head of school for the King's Academy, Jeremy Sandiford. Thanks, Blake. It's an exciting opportunity to be back and discuss uh, more uh, on this topic of Christian education and the importance of it. And we're excited just, just to be involved in this podcast and continuing this journey. Absolutely. So our last episode was packed full of great content as we talked about the Christian school difference. And in the interest of time last week and sanity for our listeners, we kind of cut this episode into two parts. So let's go ahead and get started on part two of our conversation. Uh, The role of community and support in a Christian school is pivotal. Uh, How does this, in your opinion, align with our motto, Faith, Family's Future, specifically the family part? Yeah, that's a great point, Blake. Our motto, as you've said, and everybody probably knows it by now, at least I hope they do, is Faith, Family, Future. And that really does emphasize specifically the family role of the importance of community. In a Christian school, we see students, parents, and staff working together to create a positive environment that drives everyone closer to Christ. As Matthew 18, 20 states, for where there are two or three gathered in my name, there I am with them also. This promise of God is encouraging as we know that he is with us, and therefore unity is more crucial. Therefore, it's about nurturing that sense of belonging, unity, family, and community in all we say and do. It can't just be words. It has to be action. Absolutely. And I mean, that's kind of the thing for me whenever we talk specifically about family is, yes, it's part of our motto, faith, family, future, but that's really who we are. That, that family aspect, that, uh, that real collaboration between that partnership of parents, teachers, and the school and, and what we do together. And that, that collaboration is, is crucial. How do you think that we can ensure that our actions, kind of like you, you alluded to this, right. but, but what we do, how does that really match up with our beliefs and values and how do we make sure of that? Well, collaboration can always be a challenge. When you look at teamwork, you look at partnerships, anytime you put two or three people or more together, uh, it it takes compromise. It takes the ability to work with one another. But it's what makes us different is when it's when our faith comes into play, which binds us together, gives us a common bond. When we share common beliefs, like we do at our institution, um, our interactions should naturally reflect Christ's love. Therefore, it's about demonstrating our faith, not just in the classroom, but also when we're behind a keyboard on social media or we're at a sporting event and emotions are getting high um, in every aspect of our life. So when we look at collaborating with parents, we look at our role as a school, as an institution, is to come alongside a partner um, so that it is the, the family the student and the school working together, um, that creates opportunities. There are always going to be times where there may be disagreements. Um, there may be, uh, times where emotions get the best of us. But the reality is if we recognize that we're all on the same team, that teachers, administrators are on the same team, teachers and students are on the same team, parents and teachers and students are on the same team. When we realize that we recognize the things that do bond us, which is the love of Christ, then there is nothing that we can't achieve, nothing that we can't um, pursue, because that's the difference in Christian education as opposed to other educational models. You know, typically when you're looking at the success of a student or a high ACT score or getting into an Ivy League school, if that's the goal, not everyone's going to have the same way of doing that. But when the reality is if, if our goal is to develop servant leaders who will change the world for Christ, that last word I just said, Christ, if, if he is in the center of that, 
then collaboration becomes just a part of what we do naturally. And I'm so grateful for our parents as they understand that. And our students are starting to get the idea too, that we're all on the same team. It's not playing parents against teachers and vice versa. It's we're working together um, to do what God's called us to do. One of the unique things about being at a, at a smaller school is um, it, it's really easy to, when you're, when you're in a school to, to get into silos. I'm a football player. I'm right. an athlete. I'm, uh, I'm in the band. I'm in right. the choir. I'm in drama. And what, one of the things I love about the King's Academy and what we do is I've seen our starting uh, quarterback on Friday, you know, uh, yeah. doing his thing on the football field and then turn around uh, the next week and he's in the middle of a, a drama and just and, and belting out lyrics. And it, it's it's just a, it's a great thing to see kind of that that unity across the board. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, do you have any anything that you'd like to share in terms of, you know, initiatives or uh, things that we do intentionally to, to develop and foster a strong sense of belonging and unity uh, within our school? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And I think a lot of times when you look at all that's going on on campus, it may be hard to to recognize that everything we do has a purpose. Um, I think we all can tell, <laughs> and I think any of our listeners can recognize, our daily lives are so busy and so crazy in today's society. Uh, as a school, the last thing we want to do is do something just to do it. And so we want whatever we do, whatever we're asking our students to do, our teachers, um, because man, they have a lot on their plates, um, our families, our administrators, we want to make sure that everything we do has that purpose. And so when I think of that and I think of initiatives in terms of community and, and unity and identity, one of the first things that pops in my head is the Big Little Buddy program. It's something we've done now for three years. It's something that I have a, a special place in my heart for. Is something that's been involved in my educational journey for almost 15 years now. And we look at 12th grade students who have to find a common ground with a six-year-old. Um, I've taught both ages, and I always say the difference between a senior and a kindergartner is height. And I, I don't mean that as a, as a negative, but the reality is, is we're all our children. We're children of God. And so we have this unique ability to connect and relate. And so, you know, I look at my own son, Cooper, and it's been three years now since he's had his big buddy, Enrique Duarte. Enrique is from Brazil, and we still follow him. He plays um, college soccer here in the States. We still talk via WhatsApp every once in a while. And so it's really cool to see those relationships and to see seniors that are real outgoing that get scared to death by a six-year-old. And then you also see seniors that may be kind of quiet and calmer leaders, but they just find their niche with these students. So that that's one thing of unity. Another thing I think of is our cultural connection host family program. Probably people are saying, well, I didn't know that was what it's called. Yeah, that's what it's called. Um, but we refer to them as host families. But we have these families that do a, a wonderful job of just pouring into international students. They do uh, so much. They open their homes, their wallets, their pocketbooks, uh, grocery store runs, all the things. But they're showing the love of Christ to students. And then they end up with these relationships that carry on much past students' time here in the academy. And then I think of, you know, we have Grandparents Day that just happened. We have all of these people on our campus. We have Friday night football games. We have, you know, um, sporting events where we just see the body together. So there are, there are purposeful um, interactions where we want to make sure our families understand that we're not just a, a place to drop your kid off and pick them up at the end of the day when the bell rings. Our goal is to do life together. Our mm-hmm. goal is to experience this 
And I think that's what makes King's Academy different. And it's exciting to see that and to see that in action. We talked about how uh, we're building community within our own school community, but we try to get, we try to branch out Absolutely. And, and bring unity with the, the surrounding community. Um, and, and we do that because the heartbeat of what we do is, is we try to, de- we, we strive to develop servant leaders that are going to change the world for Christ. Uh, shaping future re- leaders for Christ is is a crucial aspect of our mission. Yep. How do we balance this role with the primary discipleship responsibility of parent? Well, Blake, you hit it right there. Is you know, uh, we are not naive to think that we are responsible for the discipleship of students that God gave to their families, and so we recognize that Christian education is not. Uh, you can't really find it in the Bible. You do see that Jesus, as he grew, he went to the temple and he went to the church. Uh, he did what he was you know, taught to do. He interacted with the word of God, but we don't see the actual schooling side. So we look at discipleship as the parent's responsibility. They partner with churches uh, to do that. But that's where when Christian education really kind of launched nationwide in the 1950s, 60s, you really saw Christian schools as a partner in discipling of students because we recognize, I'm pretty sure we talked about this last time, but I've slept since then, so uh, forgive me if I repeat myself, but you know, we recognize, I know that my kids' teachers right now during this season of my life, they're around my kids more than I am. I mean, we're running to and from, and you know, we're, we're lucky if we get an hour in the morning and an hour at night and then you know, the weekends. And so because of all the practices and games and homework. And so we partner with our students, teachers for that purpose. And so our goal is, is to serve as that partner. And so we aim to use students time on campus for training, for interactions outside of the walls, outside of 202 Smothers Road. And so it's about instilling values like service, excellence, and high standards that align with biblical principles so that when they are with their families, that parents know what they're being taught. They know, you know, we're partnering with them as opposed to, hey, we'll take care of that. Right. And I think you see that in other educational uh, programs is you stay in your lane, I'll let me handle this, you handle that. And that's just not who we are. So we really do want students to learn how to serve others mm-hmm. so that they recognize who they are in God's eyes mm-hmm. and who everyone else is as well. So uh, we're talking about serving others and and how service is a big part of preparing servant leaders. If you're not practicing it, they can't go out and do it on their own. Uh, tell, to, tell our listeners about some of the opportunities that we do on campus uh, to have students engage in service and in outreach. Uh, I think the, the most obvious um, would be our Love Where We Live program. We've talked about that um, in terms of through emails and through you know, the last couple of years, we've had T-shirts printed. We've had all this stuff where we communicated. What does this mean? Well, what what is love where we live? Love where we live. The whole idea is that Seymour, um, Sevier County, Knox County, Blount County, the surrounding area, they would know that we're not just a place where students are inside behind closed doors, learning about math and science. That there's something different, and that they're these students are capable of serving others. I, th- I think the biggest thing for us as leaders, as teachers, administrators, parents, and we see this, I see this on Friday night when I cleaned up after a football game and I had parents helping me, I had students helping. We have to lead out, we have to show them that. 
But the reality is, is when you serve others, you recognize first and foremost who you are. Mm-hmm. You recognize that the world doesn't revolve around you. Unfortunately, in today's society, our kids are fed constantly, and not just our kids, our adults. I fall into this. If I start scrolling on social media, everything in our culture tells us we are the most important, what we think, mm-hmm. what we want, us, me, 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 me. And that's not what we find in the Bible. We find that, you know, through humility, we are to serve others. We're to love our Lord, our God, with all our heart, soul, and mind. And we're to love our neighbor as ourselves. And so love where we live is focused on loving our neighbor. And it's meant to show our students, hey, our our servicemen, our, our uh, EMS and firemen, our uh, community members, our local other public schools, our people in nursing homes, local churches, our own custodial staff need help and they need love and they need to know that God loves them. So our goal with Love Where You Live is to teach students that it's okay to push pause. It's okay to take time to recognize the needs around you. What we've seen since then, and and we don't claim to be perfect at this because this is something we always will need to focus on, but I've seen students see trash and pick it up. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. No, I've also seen students walk right by it, (laughs) but I've also probably been guilty of that myself. We see students holding doors open to the point where we have to tell them, Mm -hmm. don't open a door for somebody you don't know because we have a process for that. You know, we want to make sure they check in in the office. But we're seeing students beginning to understand it. And this isn't meant to be a slight at our older students, but the younger you learn, Mm -hmm. the younger this becomes a part of your DNA, then as you grow older, it just kind of becomes a part of how you think. It yep. becomes part of your worldview. And so Love Where We Live, I think, is there. Also, I mean, the reality is we still shoot for excellence. We still have high standards of academic achievement, high standards of behavioral conduct, high standards of morality. Mm-hmm. And the reality is the Bible is our morals, and we, we uh, want to make sure that we focus on that. And so I think that's the thing that as we talk through that process, when we look at students and being um, servant leaders, we want to make sure they understand who God is, who they are, and therefore, which are the relationships with everyone they encounter with life. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, in in talking about being servant leaders, one of my uh, one of the things I've heard recently and I love and it's stuck with me, saved people serve people and serve people get saved. And that's why we do what we do. That's why we do what we do. Um, We've, uh, just thinking of some of the Love Where We Live uh, service projects we've done, we went across the street to uh, to Seymour and, and help them with their their playground and get that, uh, got that kind of up and running for them a couple of years ago. We've been here um, at Seymour First Baptist and, and helped them with their playground and yep. mulched that, and we did that last year. And what I loved the most was seeing our teachers modeling being servant leaders because they were right there in the trenches, <laughs> as it were. Uh, with the kiddos mulching and painting and just doing all the things. so And they had to take time to stop what they were expected to do. And, mm-hmm. and so, I mean, I think that's the biggest thing for us is to make sure we understand that at the end of the day, we can do all we're supposed to do. We can check all the boxes. But if we're not loving God with our heart, soul, and mind, or not loving our neighbors ourselves, then we're not following the greatest commandment. We're not doing what we've been told to do. And so I think that's the biggest thing is how do we teach others to do that, to be faithful in that. Love it. Uh, so as we kind of close here, it's it's always inspiring to hear some testimonials. Could you share some 
from students or parents or teachers about the impact of Christian education? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I could spend a lot more time than most people want to listen, so I'll, I'll kind of keep it short. Um, there's a young man um, that just comes to mind. He was a second grader in Alabama in a school that I served in, in Christian school. He came from a family um, with no church background or experience. They moved into the area, and um, the public schools in the area that we were serving in were not known for being very um, academically good. <laughs> and so I was trying to find a, a nicer word. Um, and so their family partnered with us. Um, I remember sitting down with the mom and it was very clear. We're not here for your mission. We don't believe what you believe, but we've heard good things about your school and we want to be, you know, we want our kid to be safe and learn. So we poured into this kid. Uh, his teacher absolutely loved him. Melissa Chambers did an incredible job. If you're listening to this, I'm proud of you. Uh, and she did a wonderful job just pouring out the love of Christ. And about, um, I believe it was February or March, uh, this young man came up to his teacher and said, I believe what you've been teaching me, and I want to know how to uh, accept this. And so he accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior uh, in second grade class. With that, he uh, went home and told his mom, I thought I was getting ready for, I was a principal at the time, thought I was going to get a not happy phone call. Had a meeting uh, with mom and with dad and was able to walk through the gospel. And within about nine to 12 months after that, they both accepted the Lord as their savior and they moved uh, due to work, but they are still plugged in actively. He's a high schooler now, which blows my mind uh, as time has gone so quickly. And they're plugged into a Christian school and a church and just doing an incredible job. So I think of them. I also think of a young man in Texas. I was a brand new teacher um, in a Christian school, and I was teaching Bible and um, social studies, government econ, and I was an assistant principal at the time, pretty small school. And we had a young man whose father uh, died of a heart attack, and he died in his arms. He was a junior uh, when that happened. And then throughout his junior year and his senior year, we wrestled together. I mean, he wrestled so much. He would ask questions. He would, in the middle of class, just be like, but how can God do this? And how this? And why this? And why that? And his guys around him, his uh, classmates were supportive, and they were able to pour into him. And he had teachers pouring into him, and I was blessed to be a part of that. And I got a call um, probably it was about a year after I left, and I was in Alabama at the time, and was asked, hey, you know, you know my heart, you know where I'm at, I want to let you know I'm getting married, and I want you to come do the wedding. <laughs> I was like, well, it was a pretty big deal to to be able to officiate a former student's wedding, uh, and we were able to kind of talk through what God had taught him in that season, in that tough season. And then, you know, just in the last two and a half years, we've had over 70 students accept Christ on our campus here at the mm -hmm. King's Academy, and so when we talk about the difference, mm -hmm. you know, we're, we're not, uh, I make it very clear. We are not a church. Mm -hmm. You know, as a reason we're sitting here at Seymour mm -hmm. First Baptist as we record this is we partner with local churches. It is not our goal to do the church's God-given ordained task, um, but it is our goal to come alongside of families and churches. And so when we see students accepting Christ, we see students taking stands for their faith. We see students standing out within the community and we look at how that impacts the family. Um, it, it means a lot. And so, you know, I've now, this is my 15th year in Christian education. And the more I look back, story after story after story, 
there's a reason that God has used Christian schools across this country and the world. And he is using them because of how the culture is, because of how, you know, as involved as I am, this is, this is my church home, my family and I, we, we love this place and we come to this church uh, often, but we're only here maybe three weeks, may, I mean, three hours, maybe four hours a month, a week. Good grief. Yeah. A week. <laughs> um, but my kids are at King's Academy a mm-hmm. lot. And so when I look at why choosing Christian education, why as a family, just mm-hmm. not, not to mention my job, but as my wife and I, as we partner in Christian education, why we made that a priority years ago was so that our students, my children would be poured into so that what we stand for, what the church staff here stands for when they're with them on Wednesdays and Sundays, their teachers, their principals, their coaches do too. And now they're they're prepared. They're they're getting prepared um, to be able to not only serve the world, but to love the world. Love mm-hmm. So to, to kind of put a, a bow on things uh, for this this two parter here, uh, just to wrap it up, we asked the question: What's the Christian school difference? And hearing you talk, uh, hearing the things that we've said over the over the last two episodes, I think I could sum it up with this: the difference in Christian edu- education it's eternal. It's an eternal difference, and and the way that we we're, we're tasked with with a very heavy um, task or duty of of leading these students and, and modeling um, the love of Christ uh, for for each one of our students. Um, so thank you for all of your insight and and everything that you've shared uh, thus far. We're going to go ahead and wrap up our podcast. Uh, we like to do it with something fun, something different from the day's conversation. Um, so let's uh let's ask this question. Let's talk about your favorite all-time book or movie, and why did you love? Get so much shade for this. Um, all-time favorite movie is The Mighty Ducks. Okay, yeah. Uh, as a as a young kid, I just related to the misfit and the uh, Goldberg, the goalie who wanted to be good, but you know, but also learning teamwork and serving for others and caring for others and that kind of stuff. When it comes to my favorite book, I mean, I, I think you all know I'm going to say the Bible, of course. I hope we all would. But when I look at favorite book outside of that, I mean, there's been a lot. Um, man, I, I, I love reading uh, criminal and law fiction, John Grisham, those kind of things that are exciting, Tom Clancy, all of that. I, I will say a book that really kind of helped shape me um and it was really difficult for me uh, was mere christianity okay. by c.s lewis um that was a book that i read in college for the first time and at first it was the hardest thing i mean i was using a th- thesaurus at the time <laughs> google wasn't quite at the level it is now um looking up words and trying to understand what he was saying but i think mere christianity has definitely um helped shape a lot of my understanding of theological issues and, and kind of understanding who we are in God. What about you? So I've got, I've got two, uh, because you did trigger a little bit of C.S. Lewis in me. Um, I did love, I love, uh, screw tape letters by C.S. Lewis. Uh, just the, um, getting that perspective of you know, how, how the devil tries us and how he tries to bring us down. Um, it was, it was very good, very eye opening. but I'm going to throw a different one at you. And it's The Pearl by John Steinbeck, okay? 
Um, not because of the story or the characters or anything amazing like that, but the Pearl was the book uh, that we were reading in our eighth grade class uh, with Mrs. Davis. And um, we were assigned a, a partner to do group work throughout uh, as we read the book. And my partner was Aaron McKinley, who then became Aaron Fuller, my wife. Oh, that's so sweet. Uh, that, one, that one holds a special place in my heart. Man, you're making me look bad. Lisa, I'm sorry. I didn't have anything that was sweet to say about a book or movie. Uh, I thought you were going to say Twilight because I know the theme song was your wedding song. Wow. Every time I hear it, I just smile. So, But that's awesome. That's really good. Thank you for sharing that. All right. Well, uh, I hope you guys have uh, enjoyed listening to us talk about the Christian school difference and uh, all things Legacy Matters. So thank you guys for joining us today. Be sure to subscribe to Legacy Matters Conversations on Faith, Family, Future on your favorite podcast platforms. <laughs>